scripture reading this morning comes from one of St. Paul's letters. This is the second one to the church in Corinth. And in this passage, Paul reminds all of us that our gifts, our blessings flow from God, but our generosity to others is one of the ways that we show honor back to God. And so Paul, in the ninth chapter of his second letter to the church in Corinth, as it is written, God scatters abroad, God gives to the poor, God's righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your benevolence. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For God's ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many, many thanksgivings to God. This ends our reading from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And may these words, which once transformed the disciples' hearts in Corinth, transform our hearts as well. This is the umpteenth year I've offered a Thanksgiving alphabet. I really don't need to explain the format, uh, but I will in case there are guests or visitors. Uh, it is that I've used over the years the word Thanksgiving, or another year grateful, or gratitude. One year I used Eucharist, communion, and over the years, each of those letters and those words stood for something for which I am grateful. This has never been for you to simply know for the things for which I am grateful, but it's always meant to be a catalyst, a stimulant to you to think of things for which you are grateful. Maybe later today you will spell doxology, or maybe you will create your own gratitude list. So that is my word this year, which is doxology. But before I get to it, I want you to know that one of the years, one of the very early years, I went literally A to Z, the whole alphabet, and seated right there was a young man who was in my son Peter's class. He was about 15 at the time. And I said, and now the letter Z, and he did this. Thank goodness. That's what he said. So I will have shortened that to single words ever since then. So today, as I said, is the word doxology. We just sang it, right? It literally means from the Greek, dox, which means glory, and logia, which is words or phrases, words of glory or praise for God. And one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways in which we can give praise to God is through gratitude. Now, most of you know this has been a challenging year in the life of our nation. There was just a bitterly contested and divided election. And I want you to remember that our nation has survived difficult years in its past. The Reverend Robert Stubbs, who was the senior pastor of this church in the 1930s, wrote a Thanksgiving letter to our church in 1934, which was the depth of the Depression, when unemployment reached almost 25%. And Reverend Stubbs wrote to our congregation then, it may sound like a sarcastic irony to ask you to give thanks in this difficult year. But then he reminded them and us 
that he said, if you look in your hearts, in your homes, in our communities, you will find so many things for which to be grateful that will never be purchased with coins or bills. Well, in that spirit, I'll let me spell doxology for you. And I will tell you, Meredith is going to serve as my prompt, my proctor in case, because um, spelling in public is, is not that easy. Um, <laughs> D, got that right. It stands for something I am really grateful for, and it's democracy. 113 million of us voted about a week and a half ago. That's the most in a non-presidential year, they say, in about 60 or 70 years. 113 million people exercised their right as a citizen to cast a vote, to pull a lever, to cross a line, to punch a code. It is a gift that perhaps we take for granted. And it's regardless of for whom you voted, you may have, your candidate may have won here or lost here, but you exercised a remarkable gift. And so I want to remind you that 10 years ago, my daughter Jess, when she was 18, called me up and said, oh my gosh, I just voted. It was amazing. It was so cool. And it is cool. Don't ever lose sight of how cool it is to cast a vote in democracy. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. My second one is O, D-O. And it stands for open hearts, open minds, open doors. I understand that we as a nation must have, and we hope that they will come to some forward movement on this, we must have a sensible immigration policy. But I also know my father came here as an immigrant. I'm a first-generation American. My father came here as an immigrant and found a country that had open minds, open hearts, and to his family, an open door. And this country allowed him the opportunity to become more than he could become in other places. It was a gift to our family. And one of the things I hope we will always keep in mind, even as we pursue a sensible immigration policy, is that those who come wishing to be to become citizens of this nation, come here with the same kind of hope my father and his parents brought many, many years ago. Let us never forget that people come seeking hope. So my O is for open doors, open hearts, open minds. X. This is a loser letter. Doxology is a great word, but X is a loser letter. And in fact, on Wednesday or Thursday, Kathy Christian, our organist, said, oh, you're going to spell something, doxology. And I said, I know it has an X. And Kathy said to me, I know, I'm waiting. <laughs> but X reminds me that um, if we're patient and we're willing to look for opportunities, even those things like the letter X can be very useful. In fact, you may be disappointed if you pull an X in Scrabble, in Tile, in your first round, right? You think, what am I going to do with this? It could punish me. But if you're patient, you give it time, and you find just the right place on the board, you might pick up the common vowel of A or O, and you'll have an X or an ox. And if you put it in just the right place, 27 points. <laughs> X reminds us that if we're patient, 
Sometimes things that we think have not so much value can be deeply and profoundly valuable in the end. You have to give them their chance. O again. The next two O's, I have to admit, are a bit of a stretch. This one stands for occupational therapist. And it really stands for physical therapist, but there's no P or T. Many of you know that for the last, um, about 12 weeks ago, I had rotator cuff surgery, and I was in a sling, and for the last 12 weeks, three times a week, I've gone to a physical therapist. I have many weeks ahead of me as well, but I am really grateful for my physical therapist, Rachel. She has abided with me on the journey to healing, and you have people who have abided with you as well. But Rachel's remarkable because she strikes this interesting balance, which isn't, isn't the easiest equilibrium to find between kindness and toughness, between encouragement and challenge. That is a wonderful balance. And so I'm really grateful for people who are both kind and challenging, tough, but also encouraging. But I'm also grateful because Rachel said to me, Rich, you're doing really well. You know what? Um, and I told, I told my wife Claire this later. I said that Rachel said, you're doing really well. You know, fit sort of athletic people heal really well. And Claire said to me, she says that to every guy. You know that, right? <laughs> and I said, I know that. Of course I do. But I'm also grateful that in this case, my physical therapist has this profound and deep and abiding understanding of the fragile male ego. <laughs> L. Well, L, of course, stands for Liz, right? Liz. I met Liz about 15 years ago. She uh, and her soon-to-be partner, Jenny, came to see if I would be willing to celebrate a civil a blessing of their civil union before same-sex marriage was legal in the state of Illinois. So she came to talk about what it was going to be like. This, the blessing would take place at the Morton Arboretum, and we began to plan the service. And we were talking about it, and then Liz said to me, um, Rich, I want to stop for a moment. There, there could be an issue with my mom. I said, well, I understand. That sometimes happens. And I said, well, I mean, will your mom come to the service? And I asked some other questions. And she looked at me rather strangely, and she said, well, yes. I mean, she can't wait for the service. And then it dawned on her what I was wondering, that maybe she was struggling, that her mom was struggling with this, but her mother wasn't. And Liz reminded me of what brides and grooms often remind me of in all these special services of covenant. Liz then simply said to me, oh, no, no, no. She said, Rich, everyone calls me Liz. My mom hates that nickname. All I wish so that my mom really feels a part of this is that you call me Elizabeth. Ah. A name is a name is a name. But what Liz reminded me of is that love is love is love. Oh, again, yes. Oh, it's another stretch, but this third O stands for the opposite of grateful. And what I've discovered in two instances from, that I remember from childhood of when I wasn't grateful and what I learned. They both have to do with my mom, and they both have to do with baseball. Um, so the first one came a little bit later in life. I was about 12, and I loved baseball. I played it every day all summer long. And I went to my mom at Christmas time and said, 
here's what I'd want for Christmas. I want, and I gave her the name, it's the Wilson A2000 baseball glove. It's a beaut. It's the best. Couple kids had them. I thought, I'm a good baseball player. I'd love to have this. My mom, I'm sure, went out and researched it, and she found out, she knew nothing about sports, but she found out that in today's dollars, that glove probably costs $250 in today's dollars. And so on Christmas morning, I got the Sears Ted Williams baseball glove. <laughs> and I was bitterly disappointed. And I know I let my mom know it. But she was very calm about it and taught me and said simply that, you know, sometimes you don't always get what you want. But there's something about learning to be grateful, regardless. Well, my mom is smiling from eternal life because I eventually got the Wilson A2000. But you know why she's smiling? I got it for $2 at the rummage sale about five years ago. And it is a magnificent baseball glove. I also have to tell you, yesterday when I ran through this sermon, I practiced, I threw the ball almost to the ceiling, caught it behind my back. I was going to do it this morning, and I would have had to tell you, I lost it in the lights. The lights weren't on yesterday, so I didn't do it. But the other one had to do with baseball, again, and my mom. But sometimes, not only do you learn about that you need to be grateful and you don't always get what you want, but sometimes you experience grace, even when you've been ungrateful has to do with baseball again. It was another Christmas present, and I wanted a baseball uniform for my, maybe my, I was about seven or eight. My mom went to Montgomery Wards and got one of those wool baseball suits that you could buy. I put it on. I wore it all day. I would have slept in it if she had left me, but she said, no, I'm going to iron on because it came with letters and numbers in it that you ironed on to the back of the jersey. I wanted number nine, of course, for Mickey Mantle. I then, of course, would have Kircher across the back. The unfortunate part is that the sheets of letters um, only had two R's and one H. There's a problem when your last name has two H's and three R's. And so my brother came up with a good solution. He was seven years older, and he said, why don't you put Kirch on the back, which was a good solution, and my mom, well, strangely enough, um, like Liz's mom, hated nicknames and would never do that. So instead, while I was sleeping, she ironed on the number and my name, and I got up the next morning, and I never put that jersey on ever again. My mom, can you believe this? For an aspiring major leaguer, my mother ironed on the name Richie. Richie! <laughs> I was completely ungrateful. My mom was completely annoyed. But my sister, 11 years older, went to Montgomery Wards, got another uniform. I didn't deserve it. Between those two and all those sheets, it all came out fine with Kircher and Nine. I didn't deserve that. But grace is sometimes like that. Sometimes, even in times when you are not grateful, you discover glimpses of grace that you didn't deserve. I don't remember that. I don't remember the letter of that stuff. Oh, um. <laughs> Favor. No, hold G. 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 Okay. Oh, oh, G. Yes. Come on. G. Well, that's an easy one. G stands um, for Galen Gunn, right? 
scaling gun. Now, you might have thought I would have said God, but I probably would have used one of my old standbys, which is you don't spell God G-O-D, you spell God L-O-V-E. But it's not for God. It's not for Gandhi. I thought of Terry Gross from NPR. It's Galen Gunn. And Galen Gunn reminds us of people who may be the most surprising places inspiration comes from. Galen Gunn was the commencement speaker at a suburban high school a few years back. Never heard of him before, I'm guessing neither of you. And Galen Gunn was asked by the graduating seniors to be their commencement speaker because they said for the last four years, Mr. Gunn inspired us in such remarkable ways. He would say to us, for instance, if someone was using terrible language in the hallway, he'd say, because he knew people by name, he'd say, Joe, you can do better than that. This is a place that respects you. You should respect it. You can do better than that. Mr. Gunn would say to someone who had just been an MVP of one of the sports teams or a lead in the play, and he'd say, congratulations, that's great news. But remember, God loves those who recognize everyone's gifts. He was that kind of a person. And that senior class had the wisdom to ask their custodian to give the commencement speech at their high school. We all have Galen guns in our lives, people who may have surprised us by their inspiration. I hope you are grateful not only for the Galen gun, but for those folk in your life as well. Now it's time for why. Y stands for yearnings for peace. Last Sunday in the service, if you were here, we recognized that it was the 100th anniversary, the centennial of the armistice that ended World War I. If you're at the second service, it was almost 11 o'clock in the morning when we did that. And 100 years earlier, this church would have had a moment of silence. As people observed at the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, for years that followed that armistice, a two-minute moment of silence where people prayed for peace. Traffic would stop, they said. Factories would stop the machines for two minutes, and people yearned and prayed for peace. What I didn't share with you is that in my family history, it's a peculiar story, but my grandfathers fought against each other in World War I. One was a German soldier, one was an American soldier. But about 20 years later, one of their daughters and one of their sons met and became my parents. And what is worth remembering about my grandfathers is that in the pictures, of one of which, whom I never met, in the pictures that I've seen of them, they're oftentimes seated together, either smiling, sometimes laughing in the pictures. And yes, invariably, each one had a Schlitz beer in a hand. But, for everyone who yearns for peace, for any one of you who may have as a person or a nation an other or some a nation that we think of as an enemy, that's a great image of my grandparents, my grandfathers. And I hope and pray that someday, whomever you may consider the other, you might share a cold one with. That's how I spell doxology in 2018. Now it's your work. Spell doxology if you wish, create a gratitude list if you prefer that. But when you do, remember that one of the ways we give glory to God, which is what doxology literally means, one of the ways is through thankfulness.
So, have a blessed Thanksgiving.